music and without the singers. Can we just go ahead and make a joyful noise ourselves here this morning? I remember I was in Bosnia and I was sitting on the, the balcony of this thing on the top of this hill and there was like 10, 15 people on this hill and Sunday after Tuesday after Wednesday after whatever, it's just days after days of, of not having this. And I remember one day I just, I was about to explode and I just got out there and I got to the balcony, I looked down on the mountains of Bosnia and I just started singing to the top of my lungs. Yeah. Just like I do when we get here, I just started clapping my hands like we do. I just had to rejoice in the Lord. I was so hungry for what we were doing here. I just had to make it happen where we're at. No building, no music, no backup singers, no people who can actually sing around me. But I just had to worship the Lord so oh, we could just appreciate what we have here this morning. Yeah. If we can just eat it up and use it for all it's worth, Lord, we love you and thank you for this opportunity to come into this beautiful building, Lord, with, with all of these blessings around us to worship together in spirit and truth. Help us today to be sensitive to your spirit, to the things that you're trying to get done in this place, in our hearts, in our minds, and in our lives. God, help us, Lord, to love you and appreciate you. We love you and we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Amen. Let's worship together this morning. Lift your hands this morning. We're going to thank you for the
and years that God was going to lead them into the land flowing with milk and honey. They were going into blessings. They were going into wealth. They were going into health. They were going into all these things. And so they get into the promised land and the first thing they run into is a wall. There's just this wall. They're, they're, they're expected to just go eat some grapes and drink some milk. But they, they run into a wall. It's the city of Jericho. And, and God says walk around this thing seven times once a day for seven days. And so they, as they're walking toward their blessing and their promise, they, they bump into this wall and they hear what God says to do and they do it. For seven days, they keep their mouths shut and they follow the band. They follow the praise leaders around. And on the seventh day, they walk seven times around and God said, when the trumpets blow, you're going to shout and the walls are going to fall down. And that's what happened. On the seventh time, they blew the trumpets and the children of Israel cried out. in store for us, but there are going to be times when we run into a wall. There are going to be times when it feels like we're banging our head against the wall. We lift our hands and we don't feel nothing. We sing the song and it feels like it's just a song. We might even run around a little bit and we feel a little silly, but that's because we're running into a wall. But we just got to keep singing. We just got to keep walking around the walls. We got to just keep on calling out when God says call out because God's got a work to do, but it's process and the process is we come in here and we lift our hands and lift our voices we praise and worship and sing and God does the miraculous amen amen if you want God to continue to do the miraculous in your life continuing to walk into the promised land continue to stand up to your walls and follow the perfect commands of God and God's going to do some cool stuff for us amen Amen. We're getting ready to take up our tithes and offerings as they come to help us do that. I do want to mention we got a couple things going on this week outside of the normal activities. Mama and me are going fishing at the pier. <laughs> no. I don't know. I just I heard pier and thought fishing. I asked if I could go get like a special pass. What day is that? Friday? Friday, they're going to the pier, get with Sister Fowler, and she'll explain everything to you, what kind of bait to bring. And, you know, all that jazz. And uh, Tuesday is men and, men's and women's breakaway, uh, so you don't want to miss that. We do that once a month, and it's going to be fun. All right, well, it's time to worship the Lord in a different way other than lifting our hands and calling out. We have the opportunity to give, and when we give, we, we try to treat this as worship. We love you, God, and we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you've done. I pray that as we give today, that you'd help us to give from our heart as unto you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Come forward, give in your offer, and turn around, greet somebody, shake their hands, and say, hi, it's good to see you at church today.
Amen. Amen. If it's your first time here, we welcome you. So happy that you've come out, amen, to life today to worship with us. I want to give honor first and foremost to God. I love Him. Pastor and Sister C, I give honor to them. Amen. You have your Bibles, turn to Matthew, the 11th chapter. Begin reading at verses 1 through 6. Brother Steve, when we get to that second slide, just hold it right there. I'll, I'll tell you when to advance. Amen. Look at somebody and smile real big. Come on, let them see your, your teeth, your tooth, whatever you got. Amen. Amen. It's all right to laugh and smile in the house of God. Everything's not. Amen. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto him, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Amen. You may be seated. John the Baptist was a great man. In fact, the Bible records Jesus as saying that John the Baptist was the greatest man to be born of a woman. John's purpose on earth, hear me this morning, was to find the Messiah and point people to Him and to clear the way before Him. John's revelation of who the Messiah was was incredible. The Bible's portrayal of John as John the Baptist, the title in itself is pretty elementary, pretty clear to understand why he was called that. But as we look through the Gospels, we find John coming onto the scene as a loud and boisterous man who ate locusts and wild honey, dressed in camel hair. He was very strange. If anybody's ever known a true prophet of God, they may not dress in camel's hair, they may not eat locusts, but they're strange dudes. They're strange people. They're different. They're wired different. His arrival was announced by him baptizing everyone that he could get his hands on, so to speak. John's baptisms were twofold. The first purpose was John, hear me, John was a type of Christ. So his baptism was a foreshadowing of the Holy Ghost that would be poured out in, in the second chapter of the book of Acts. <clears throat> the second purpose, the most important purpose of John's baptism was to reveal to him who the Messiah was. He didn't know. He didn't, it wasn't something that he just always knew and understand. It was something that he was searching for. When Jesus was baptized, the Bible says that the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus like a dove. And a voice from heaven spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
This was just like John was told it would happen. Amen. John chapter 1. It's, not, it, it's probably not the next slide, Brother Steve. It's probably the slide after that. John chapter 1, verses 25 through 34. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not the Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? See, there was some confusion when John the Baptist came on the scene. They thought, is this the one? Is he the one? They were looking. They were watching. Verse 26, John answered them again, or them saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. Verse 27, he it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latcheth, I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in, in Bethabra, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. Verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest. To, to, this is the key verse here. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and in a boat upon him. And I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw a bare record that this is the Son of God. In our language that he is saying, this is the Messiah. That's what the Son of God means. I think it's important to note this morning that that many people in modern Christendom, and I use that term very loosely, but many people in modern Christendom miss the point for the baptism of Jesus. They simply brush it off as an example and a justification for being baptized. And I don't dismiss that. But the past, this passage reveals that John was baptizing people because he was looking for the Messiah. He was looking for the dove to descend and the voice from heaven to speak to show him that this, in fact, was the Messiah. John's perspective and revelation was unique to anyone at that time. John the Baptist, a man clothed in camel hair, who ate locusts and wild honey, the man whose coming was only foreshadowed by the birth of Jesus, the man whose birth was foretold by the prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before the man who was filled with the Spirit of God from the time that he was in his mother's womb, the man who would clear the way for the Christ, finds himself locked in prison. As one of us might do, the questions begin to race through John's mind as he carefully remembers each event in his life and he questions his purpose and his existence. He questions the things that he has experienced in his life. He remembers every prison or every person that he's baptized. Then he remembers when he baptized Jesus. He remembers the manifestation of God when he baptized Jesus. The Spirit descended and the voice from heaven spoke. He asked the question, 
Was that really God? God, I have fulfilled your calling in for my life. I have found, yet I have found myself locked in prison. Was all of that worth my current circumstances? He hears about the miracles that Jesus is performing. And all of these questions flood his soul. As Christians, we sometimes see other people receiving blessings and miracles. And we have a really hard time with it when we are going through hell. Sometimes we find ourselves in storms. And God will silence the storm. And other times, God tells us that we're going to have to ride through the storm. John tells his disciples, go and find Jesus and ask him, are you really the one? If I could put a title on this this morning, I could put my spin on it. It would be simply this, God, is it really you? I don't understand. Why don't you come? Release me out of jail. This is not the way that I had envisioned. This is not the way that this was supposed to go. The prophet Isaiah wrote about me. This isn't right. One of the hardest things I think to understand one of, the greatest, one of the greatest mysteries is why do bad things happen to good people? Sometimes there are things that happen in our lives that no one understands. We lose a loved one. We lose something in our lives that is precious and dear to us. We get treated unfairly in some situations. Sometimes it seems like we may have to go through a bad day. Anyone ever have a bad day? My pastor growing up, he always said many times, he talked about it many times. There was a, there was a, a season in his life where, and he's, he's told it many times, but he went through a season of anxiety and, and just a deep darkness. And he knew... He just knew in his, in his mind. He went to the hospital. They checked him out. They said, Pastor, there's nothing wrong with you. And he, he said, there's something inside of him was broken. Some, he knew that he, he was not going to make it through the night. He knew that he was going to wake up or not wake up and he would be dead. But there are times in our lives when we go through things and the nights, you can't sleep, you're tossing, you're turning. I've been there. I've, I've, I've experienced it. It's, it's awful. You're just staring at the clock. You're, you get on your phone, you scroll. It's Nothing helps. You read the Bible, nothing helps. You pray, nothing helps. But just to see the sunrise the next morning gives you the hope of another day. John's circumstances are not unlike any one of ours may be in our lives. Some things that we go through are just part of life and in no way judgment from God upon us. Whatever situation you may have found yourself in, 
Maybe you're in a relationship that you feel trapped in. Maybe you're in an avalanche of financial turmoil. Maybe you struggle with an addiction. No matter what your situation that you have found yourself in, what you have to realize is that God is still God. The fact that you are facing a storm doesn't change who and the very nature and the fact that God is still God. He is the God of the mountain and He's the God of the valley. No matter what we face, God is still in control. I want to focus on the John's reaction to Jesus and why I, I, I take strong issue with what John did. John was questioning the Lordship of Christ. John, John had an interesting perspective. John was the cousin of Jesus. John probably knew Jesus better than some of the disciples. He grew up around John. The Bible says that when, when Elizabeth, his mother, was pregnant, that she, she, she came near Mary. They were, they were both pregnant at the same time. The Bible says that Inside of Elizabeth, she felt something. John kicked. So John, John understood what it was to be around Jesus. Although he may not have understood that he was the Messiah at that point, John knew him. We cannot question God's power or His Lordship over any situation. Some of you in here today have asked God why. Some of you have been given promises from God, and it seems like they are far off from you. John the Baptist represented a promise from God because the prophet Isaiah wrote of his coming. Some of you in here, your promise has been locked in jail. Go back and remind your promise. The same thing that Jesus told John. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The dead are raised to, to life. The, the, poor and the, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Remind your promise that God is still in control. Remind your promise that God has not lost any power. God gave Abraham the promise of a son. There was a long process to get to that point, but when his son was born, and he named him Isaac, God spoke to Abraham and told him, go to yonder mountain and sacrifice your son upon the altar. Many people question that. I, I don't know. God told Abraham to lay his promise on the altar and slay it. My question to you here this morning is, how will you respond when God asks you to sacrifice your promise? Abraham's obedience to God and God providing a sacrifice in that, in that story teaches us that God responds to obedience. We must be obedient to the voice of God in our lives. God will honor our obedience and provide the sacrifice in place of our promise. That's good. I'm going to say that again. 
God will honor our obedience and provide the sacrifice in place of our prom promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17. Amen. And I'm going to read. This is actually... I'll have to repent after I preach, but this is the Amplified Bible. Y'all forgive me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. For our momentary light distress, this passing trouble is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, a fullness beyond all measure, surpassing all comparisons, a transcendent splendor, and an endless blessedness. You have no idea what your trial or test is doing for you. What, you're, what it's doing for you in terms of eternity. It's hard when we see our friends and our family members go through something and prayer after prayer has been made for that person. It's easy to understand in, the, to, in those instances to question, is God real? Or not. We must go back through to what Jesus said. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. God requires our trust. You may be asking the same question in here this morning that John did. God, is it really you? God, are you real? I want to proclaim to somebody today that regardless of what situation or mess you may find yourself in, God is still God. He still has all power. Your situation, your situation does not define God's greatness. Although I believe it's okay to question God. I've questioned God in my, in my life. Don't be angry with God. If we talk about a person in the Bible who had gone through a bunch of stuff or junk, if I can say that. It's not fair that we gloss over the man of Job. The Bible calls Job a perfect and upright man, one that feared God, stayed away from evil. He was a righteous man. The Bible said that Job, in fact, was very rich. He was probably the richest person in the whole area that he lived in. But there was a day, though, that his seven children and everything that he had worked so hard for is gone. One day, poof, it's all gone. As a father, I can't, I can't even begin to imagine the pain that Job went through to lose all of his children at once. But if we study this entire situation, this entire calamity that we find, God is proving a point to Satan. Satan, and this this has always this has always intrigued me. And I, I I don't have time to go through it all, but the Bible says that the sons of God came to present themselves to God, and in that Satan came. I don't know how to I don't know how to work that out. That's always intrigued me. But Satan came into the presence of God, and when God asked him what he was doing, he told the Lord. He'd just been going through the earth serving. And God's response to Satan was, Have you seen my servant Job? There's nobody like him in all the earth. 
Satan's response to God was a challenge. That if he were to take it all away from Job, that Job would curse him and, and not remain faithful. God And God allowed Satan to do whatever he wanted to do to Job without killing him. Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. Neat thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolish, foolishly. God, is it really you? If you go back and read the story of Job, it's phenomenal because the way it reads, there was no pause in between the messengers when they came. They came one after another after another and just kept bringing him bad news. The first thing that Job does is worship. What a powerful example for our lives. If we could only learn to worship when we lose our child. Worship when we go through storms and trials. God, I don't understand, but blessed be the name of the Lord. There is power in our worship. Are you telling me this morning, preacher, that if I worship, I won't go through anything? No, I'm not saying that at all. The idea that worship will keep you from everything is false. The fact of the matter is that worship will keep you through the storm. The pain was still there for Job. Hear me, the pain was still there. Worship just doesn't change reality. It doesn't change the facts. At the end of the day, he still had to have seven funerals. At the end of the day, he had to replace all of his livestock. If we read at the end of the story, though, we find Job was blessed twice as much at the end than he was at the beginning. God put Job through the ringer. Anything that could happen to Job happened. Job's faith and confidence in God was challenged. But at the end of the day, Job chose worship. Circumstances did not dictate his attitude toward God. Unlike John, Job chose to worship. Job was God's prize. Job was proof that man is capable of worshiping God no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what he faced. Could it be this morning that... This thing that I'm going through could be a modern day story of Job. Satan, have you considered my servant Carl? Satan, have you considered my servant Tommy? There's nobody like them in all the earth. Could your test be a story of how great your love for God is? The last thing we heard from John was a question about if Jesus was really God. What a sad situation that the last recorded thing in Scripture from Him was a question 
about who Jesus really was. John, I know it looks bad. I know what things seem like, John. I know it seems like God has forgotten me. I did what I know to do. I did what God had commissioned me to do. Yet here I am in prison. God, is it really you? I want to boldly declare, proclaim to you this morning that He really is, if I could go back to my childhood, He really is all that in a bag of chips. He is the great I Am. He's the Holy One of Israel. He's my all-sufficient Savior. There's nobody like Him. He's in a class all by Himself. He stands alone. He has no rivals. He has no equal. Our response to our calamity will determine our outcome. It's okay to ask why, but no matter what the answer is, our response should always be to worship. You have to have your mind made up that no matter what comes your way, you will stay consistent and faithful to the Lord. God, is it really you? Job chapter 42. Whatever music is gonna gonna play, we can we can go ahead and start that or musicians. Uh, Job chapter forty-two verses one through seventeen. Amen. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me which I do not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not sp spoken of me the, the thing that is right as my servant Job hath. Therefore, take unto you seven bullocks and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. He's going to pray for him, the dude that just went through all this. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have spoken, ye have not spoken of me the thing which I which is right, like my servant Job. Wow. So Eliphaz the Temanite and Bilad the Shuhite and Zophar. The Namathite went and did according as the Lord commanded them. And the Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 11. Then came... 
there unto him all his brethren and his sisters, and all and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him of all the evil the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. Verse twelve. So the Lord blessed the latter of Job, the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 cam 6, camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses. Verse 13. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, the second Kiza, the name of the third, not even going to try to say it, 15. And in all the land... The, were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. Verse 16. You, everybody can stand. That always gives people hope. After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died old and full of days. Amen. What a turnaround. He went through hell, but he came through victorious on the other side. His worship set the stage for God to work in his life. Your worship must dictate your direction in the storm. Will your worship be a catalyst for your miracle? When we go through storms in our life, we must not lose sight of God's power. We cannot lose sight of the fact that God is still in control. Amen. This altar's open. We've got a little bit before next service. Amen. If you if you feel like you're in a place where John is or even where Job is I want to encourage you this morning to come to seek God find a place of prayer
God, I pray that you would be with them. God, I pray that you would comfort them. God, I pray that you would walk with them. God, give them strength. God, give them a surety to know. God, that your spirit, God, is with them. God, if they have the new birth, God, if they've been filled with your spirit, God, your presence is living inside of them. If you're here today and you don't have the spirit of God in your life, according to the New Testament, you need to have the spirit of God in your life. If you're here today and you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus, the Bible instructs us this is how the blood is applied to our lives. It's through the waters of baptism. Come today. Give your life to God. Surrender your heart. Surrender your soul to Him. God, we thank You. God, I love You. God, I worship You. God, I praise You today. God, my desire, God, is to serve You. My desire, oh God, is to pursue You to pursue the things of God for my life. God, no matter what I go through, no matter what I face, God, I will not question your Lordship. I will not question, oh God, that you are the one. You're the God of the Old Testament. You're the God of the New Testament. You're the God of my epistle. You're the God of my life. You're the God of my storm. God, draw us close to you. Take us, God, to another dimension. Take us, God, to another level. God, draw us close, God, to you. Help us to be more like you. Help us to be like Job. God, no matter what comes our way, no matter what we face, God, to serve you. God, to pursue you. To pursue the things of God. To crucify our flesh. Oh, God, forgive us. God, we're so carnal. We're so carnal. Oh, God, forgive us today. God, I pray for every man and woman in this house today. God, I pray a prayer of repentance. God, cleanse us. Cleanse us, God, of our unrighteousness, God, of our iniquity. God, let there be conviction in this house today. Let there be a drawing. Oh, God, let there be a drawing. Help us to realize, God, that time is short. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we honor you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Hallelujah to you, Jesus. Hallelujah to you, God. Hallelujah to you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah to you, God. Hallelujah. Why are these things happening, God? Is the enemy coming against me? Is it evil people coming against me? God, is this a test? It doesn't matter. The response is always the same. Worship. When our friends are acting sideways, we worship. When the enemy's coming against us, we worship. And if God has allowed an attest in our life, then we just worship. Thank you for that word today, brother. Thank you for that. Let's give the Lord a hand for what he's doing in our lives. God, we thank you and love you for all the things you've done, Lord. We give you honor and praise, Lord, regardless of whether we're on top of the mountain now or we are in the valley of the shadow of death. I pray, God, that you'd help our heart to be full of worship. We love you. We thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming to the house of the Lord this morning and gathering for worship. It was so good to see you. If you're going to stick around for, serve, for a second service, it's going to be in 28 minutes. So, God bless you. Be safe. Have fun. See some of you in a bit. Thank you.